and welcome to the Deep Two NBA podcast. My name's Sean. Joining me as always is the one and only Dante Buffer. How up? Uh, how are you, Dante? Apart from tardy, I'm good. Tardy. What, yeah. what do you mean tardy? Well, a little bit late. But oh no, that's right. You know what? We right. live and we learn, and we don't take St George's Road in peak hour traffic. Mm, mm. That's a very localized joke. Good job. Dare ice coffee in hand. Uh, Bunnings costume on. Costume. Outfit. This is my living. <laughs> Don't mock my living. Bunnings outfit on. Let's get into it. Bit of, a little bit of news. We're going to sort of ease up on the podcast. Last week we went a bit too hard uh, with three wonderful podcasts, which if you haven't heard them, you should check them out. We did go pretty ham last week. <laughs> uh, so for those of you who might not know, we interviewed Kane Pittman um, and spoke about him about Aussies and NBA, and then we hit the over-unders for the Eastern and the Western Conference. But that is another time onto today, and uh, big news of the day was the schedule was announced. Always a talking point for niche basketball podcasts. The schedule was <laughs> announced. The, the Christmas Day games were set, even though they already leaked a little bit. But the full schedule's out, and we are both sitting here with a graph in front of us of the how far uh, in distance teams have to travel uh, in total for the season. And your 2019-20 NBA champions are at the top, the Utah Jazz, which is weird because I'm a Golden State fan, you're a Phoenix fan, uh, and we're pretty much used to our teams always, always being at the top of the list in um, distance distance to travel for the for the season, whether that means anything or not. I mean, you could say it doesn't mean anything because Golden State's been good and Phoenix has been bad. It hasn't really changed <laughs> anything, if you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, what say you, Dante? I think the Utah Jazz are going to be able to pay for their off-season holidays with their frequent flyer points. <laughs> yeah, I think, I don't know how much it bears out on actual results. Like, you know, every season, obviously, there are some at the bottom and some at the top that have to travel quite long distances. And, you know, your geography can't account for, like, the way that your road trips are actually scheduled. So even if you do have to travel, uh, you know, quite a long, like, quite a long distance or you are quite geographically isolated... Like, you know, talk about like a Minnesota or someone, you're quite far north. You know, it doesn't always bear itself out because there are teams like, you know, Minnesota again. That <laughs> <laughs> What a popping, like what a oh, what a jumpy topic. Minnesota Timberwolves. Minnesota Timberwolves. And their schedule. And their schedule. <laughs> no, there's teams, there's teams that have to travel heaps every year that, you know, are terrible. And, you know, there are teams that like San Antonio has the rodeo road trip every year where they go away for like nine or ten games mm. in a row. And they're just – and the games aren't like localised. It's not like they're going, you know, both LA teams, Golden State. It's like all over the shop. So mm. they're travelling heaps. You know, they've still won 42 games at least 20 years in a row. Uh, it is interesting though that uh, eight of the top nine and ten of the top twelve uh, teams that have to travel the most distance are all in the West. Mm. So I think uh, obviously shows that teams out there are a little bit more geographically spread. You don't have like the kind of northeast and southeast clusters. Yeah, you don't have like the New York and Boston and all. Mm. Yeah, like everyone in the Atlantic Division is pretty much like <laughs> within like a four hour drive from each other. Well, everyone apart from Philly. It's just the Southeast Division. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just in the bottom. Great. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Phoenix, Phoenix copped it though. We're still at the top. So, you know, that 28-win season is going to be <laughs> hard-earned. Well, I know that... Um, oh, yeah, you picked the over. <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, 
I know Golden State does complain about it every year when they get um, when they get the furthest distance, which is like so, like you just said, so be it. Like you're there, like there's nothing really you can do. You can't just chop the country in half and then sort of like <laughs> ride your bike there. You know, it's just so be it. But they actually are around the middle in distance travelled, which is. I mean, I don't know the the flexibility and the jumpings around that people have to do to, to get it like that. But I mean, maybe that'll help. You know, they've got a they've got a number that they need to hit the under. Uh, in if my bet is to come off, uh, this doesn't help that. But maybe that's why they did it. Maybe they heard the Deep Two NBA podcast. <laughs> wow, fingers crossed. <coughs> Adam Silver, if you're listening. God, that'll be that'll be all right. But um, one thing that I mean. You were a bit, you were a bit <laughs> shocked at it, but Bleacher Report changed their over/under projection projections after um, after this came out, and Philadelphia have the second easiest schedule in distance, so they put Philadelphia as their number one uh, team heading into the next season. Is that is that worth it, or is I that? I think you used the right word before, which was overreaction. Mm. Someone at Bleacher Report has twitchy fingers and saw this and thought, "Oh my god, this is a perfect piece for an article." Better go and muddle things around. No, they've bumped Philadelphia in front of Denver, Milwaukee, uh, the Lakers, and, yeah. Yeah, and the Clippers. That's I'm pretty high on Philly, but I don't think they're even close to as good as those you know, four teams just there. Mm. And I think, you know, like bumping it up immediately after the schedule, it's, it's not even like... So when the NFL... I'm a huge NFL fan as well, so... Um, you know, my I have like a bit of a comparative viewpoint of these sorts of things. When the NFL uh, schedules comes out, there's all this talk around strength of schedule versus last year, like the records from last year's team. Mm-hmm. So they calculate the win percentage of your opponents in their record last year. So it's like if you get you know like a f- you know fifty six percent, you know winning percentage for your next season, everyone's like, oh, this team got shafted. But it's like if the Packers get you know, like a 43% wing percentage. Everyone's like, oh my God, the Packers. Everyone just gives their Packers an easy schedule. This isn't even like that. It's kind of a bit abstract that that they've taken like distance traveled and equated that to like yeah. strength of schedule. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. You're still playing the same teams. Like I'd rather have to fly an extra 85 miles but have, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo on my team. Yeah, I get Yeah, That's a bit like um, they do that halfway through the season, especially after the like within a month they look at oh you know at least halfway they look at strength of schedule remaining and then golden state and the top tier teams have one of the easier schedules and everyone's like oh they just want to make money give it to golden state but it's because they don't have to play themselves like if you're one of these top tier teams and you don't have to play yourself that's just one good team that you don't need to play you know yeah, what I mean? exactly so there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of different angles and i'm sure i mean i like bleacher report but they do you know sort of overreact and chuck in a couple of emojis, a little bit of devil emojis, yeah. <laughs> muscle we, emojis. Yeah. Bleacher Report, we talked about it a little bit last week. Bleacher Report's come a long way since their inception when they were, like, genuinely, it was terrible journalism. I remember being year eight and, like, just starting <laughs> to get into basketball seriously and reading some of the stuff they were publishing and being like, what the fuck are you talking <laughs> about? Bleacher Report's strength comes from its, like, top-tier journalists. So guys like Howard Beck and then guys like, I don't really rate him and he does a lot of iffy stuff, but someone like Rick Buecher, you know, they've got a lot of names, but then they've got all these like underlings who just write like weird shit and just like, it yeah. seems like there's a lack of supervision and they're just like, hey, everyone go for it. Actually, I um I actually read an article today because I was, I was looking at news for this. And then this one popped up. I'm like, oh, sure, I'll click on it. Like Dante's not going to be here for a while. So <laughs> it was... 
uh, top 10 players that were wearing like top 10 players in jerseys that you forgot that they were wearing. You know what I mean? Like Extremely Alan, clickbaity. Like Alan Iverson in a Memphis jersey, yeah. Patrick Ewing in Orlando. Um, guess what number one was? Like I've already said Alan Iverson and Patrick Ewing and it wasn't one of them. I don't know. Give me a hint. It wasn't Hakeem in Toronto. It wasn't Dennis Rodman in Dallas. Surely it's Michael Jordan in, no, no, in no, Washington. No, because that's like, people know about that. Yeah, but it still looks weird. What about, who is it? It was, um, oh, fuck me. Oh, it was Robert Parrish in Chicago. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah, true. And why not, like, I don't know. I thought surely Patrick Ewing would have been, I don't know. I didn't even know that Robert Parrish ended up playing for Chicago. So Well, he's got the most games played, so yeah. I'm sure he played for quite a few teams. Yeah. This sounds really unprofessional. <laughs> Not up to date on my Robert Parrish team history. Yeah. Nah. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's an extremely clickbaity article, though. I reckon we should move on to uh, another little bit of news, but that was the Rich Paul rule. So, um Last week, the NCAA changed the rules which prevented players um, from signing with an agent who hadn't got a college degree or spent three years equivalent in college or got a diploma. Um, and this pissed off quite a, quite a few people. Um, people were outspoken about it, especially uh, Rich Paul, who, as we know, is uh, um, what's I don't know, owner of Clutch Sports. Is that yeah, I think he's like the CEO of Clutch. Another another professional moment by us, but um. Yeah, so he, uh, and this is obviously the agent for LeBron and heaps of other high-name, um, big-name NBA players, and he doesn't actually have a college degree. Um, and he's proven that you don't need that. So um, after this happened with the NCAA, there was a um, you know, a lot of public outcry, and Rich Paul actually did an opinion piece in The Athletic, and it was a really good read, and he was talking about how um, these rule changes would uh, systematically, quote, systematically exclude those who come from a world where college is unrealistic and he sort of said it would slant people of colour. Um, and then the NCAA flip-flopped and said, oh, okay, we'll keep the rules the same, but if you're recognised by the NBA Players Association, then you're allowed to be an agent of someone. So it's like that would include uh, someone like Rich Paul and, you know, you're not really gunning after a college degree, now you're gunning after um, recognition from the Players Association. But they said that um, all the public outcry had nothing to do with it and they were simply just oh, they thought about it for a week and then they changed it and it's just a happy coincidence. What are your thoughts, Mr. Boffer? I think it was all... I think it was pretty dumb by the NCAA. <laughs> I think it's just a silly stipulation because if you <clears throat> if you looked at, uh, you know, there if you looked at what's going on in the world where the college players are, you know, about to enter, you would understand that Clutch is kind of like a monumental figure in that world. Uh, but I don't think it was like a rule directed particularly. It wasn't like you know the Rich Paul rule. It's not directed at Rich Paul mm. in in particular. The only client that uh, Clutch represents who came out who's like you know recently out of college is Taylor Horton Tucker, who was the forty fifth pick in this year's draft. So he played at Iowa and was projected anywhere from like twenty to like undrafted. So he's not exactly. Uh, prime prospect who they're going to make a rule for. I think it was just a silly stipulation and kind of uh, – I don't really expect anything less from an organisation like the NCAA because they're not exactly known for, like, mm. uh, being well thought out. They're kind of – their decisions are always based on kind of tradition and, like, the way that the 
shareholders, not shareholders, but the way that like the stakeholders in the NCAA view the world and it is like a very old money, like traditionalistic viewpoint that mm. really prioritizes traditional education. So they just, they put it in, um, the other the other rules, like stipulations in the clause in the new rule was like, have to be certified by the NBA Players Association for at least three years, which is fair. You have to pass a in-person test in, like an in-person exam in New York that the NCAA give, which is like fine if you want to, you know. Mm. Yeah, it's like a job interview. Yeah, if you want to regulate access to the players, then that's fine. It should be by merit, not necessarily by, yeah, you know. A like, piece of paper. Yeah, by a piece of paper. So I do think it was silly. I think it's good that they've removed it because obviously that allows, you know, there's obviously going to be good quality agents who come through in the next 10, 15 years who don't have a degree. So it allows players to actually be represented by people who, are talented but didn't have access to college or chose not to go to college. But the media coverage about it and everyone being like, this is the rich poor rule. Like LeBron, I'm like, settle down, bro. It's not. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not a, lot of, a lot of fire emojis. This a lot is, of, again, yeah. this devil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're big men. No, it's like yeah. the NCAA, <laughs> they're not making an entire rule based at like one person who represents like 10 NBA players. Mm. That's not what's happening. It, you know, 10 but, NBA players and Tristan Thompson. Yeah. <laughs> that is absolutely brutal. Mm. That's so harsh. <laughs> 17 million, though. They got mm. him paid. Mm. They got him paid. Mm. And he's balding. Yeah, well, man, the Kardashian curse li- being lifted can't fix everything. Yeah, it's true. It's true. What about Kane not being a fan of the Kardashian curse? I thought every, like, I thought most Australians were like, fuck, like, this is serious. Like, yeah. Ben Simmons with the Kardashian. Ben Simmons. Like, I, I don't really care about entertainment news, but this was, this was serious. Yeah, it's big. Big. <laughs> I don't know. He's, uh... More serious than us. Yeah, he's more serious than <laughs> us. I think as evidenced by, he actually went over to the, to the United States and lived there and covered... He, oh, just, that was, yeah, that was really cool being able to talk to him because he, there was a moment where he just... He was just like, not even, it was like a humble brag. It was like a subtle name drop. He's like, oh, yeah, I was at uh, practice with those boys the other day in reference to like the Australian men's national basketball mm-hmm. team. Like, oh, yeah, that practice. Yeah, shooting around. Like, that'll be us soon. We're going to go to Summer League. The Deep Term NBA podcast takes on Summer League. We'll interview like your Taylor Horton Tuckers. And, yeah. Taylor, uh, what are your thoughts on the Rich Paul rule? <laughs> <laughs> Who else would we interview? Who was that dude? Uh, for Boston, the tiny dude. Oh, uh, Carson Edwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the sort of guess we need. So yeah. like Carson Edwards. Yeah, I feel like he would have a lot of like big comments. I don't know. Do you reckon? Do you reckon your play would dictate like your attitude? Like if you're like a score for first dude, I don't know. Would you be a bit more outlandish on a podcast? And if you're like a role player that just like shoots forty percent from three, would you just like run the party line and? <laughs> I don't know. There obviously are some score first characters that come to mind that are. But who's a quiet score first dude? <laughs> and who's a loud role player? Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know if there's any like loud role players, but someone like Jared Dudley would go on the go on the low post every year, and he's like a really good interview, mm. and he will like get a bit, you know, get a bit loud, drop some f bombs, but he's not like Swaggy P or like J.R. Smith. Mm. where they're just kind of like doing anything and everything. Mm. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a quiet... Like Kawhi, but it's sort of... Maybe like, yeah, Harden's not like talkative. He's, he's pretty like... Yeah. He's pretty like low-key. 
Trying to think about who's a like a loud role player though. PJ Tucker with his shoes. Yeah, I suppose, but no one would really know about that if if Bleacher Report didn't decide to do like a BR kicks, <laughs> you know, like their version of an MTV Cribs thing with him. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool, but yeah, well, I mean, if you've got several million dollars, why not spend it on shoes? Do you remember the game where um, when Isaiah Thomas was in Boston? He uh, like I, I was just watching a random game and he came out and he's playing. And he had like one uh, one and nine in the first half, and then he went to um came out in the next half, and he had like different colored shoes on. I was like, oh, you know, those shoes are a different color. And then he, uh, in the post game interview, like because he scored like twenty points in the second half or something, and they said, yeah, nah. I looked in him, there was no buckets in the shoes. <laughs> he threw them out. <laughs> Imagine doing that at like domestic, 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 domestic like D grade. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to more news. Uh, Marvin Bagley. The third um, has withdrawn from Team USA. Who he wasn't actually on their main list, um, but he was on the select team and he was playing in the white versus blue team. Uh, yeah, no more Marvin Bagley in Team USA. Mm. I I miss this. Was there a reason why he didn't? Yes, there was a reason. He liked to focus on the upcoming NBA season. Yeah, I mean that figures. Yeah, but oh, I was talking about this. Um, Obviously, when we heard Kane say, it was like, well, look, you know, do you, I want to ask him to play in the World Cup, then play a season, then play in the Olympics, then play in another season. They sort of miss out in two off-seasons, so they can't go to, like, Paris and stuff, you know what I mean? Um, so I said that argument to someone else, like, look, you know, everyone everyone needs a holiday. And then he goes, yeah, but, like, they're, like, multi-millionaires. And then I'm like, oh, well, it's relative. Like, you know, we all need a holiday. And he goes, yeah, but, like, they're multi-millionaire entertainers. Like, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Should, should we say, like, no? Nah, you're a prick, just uh, play basketball. No, we shouldn't. But, like, if you're playing with the USA team, it happens every second off-season, and it's only for, like, five weeks, <laughs> like, five weeks total. Yeah. So it's like, all right, if you know, if it's, even if it's five weeks from today, then it's like you come back to the beginning of September and or well, middle of September, and then you've got, like... And you've got a month. I don't know. When you say five weeks from today, if like Steph or LeBron just said, hey, I actually want to play, can I change my decision? Do you reckon Pop and stuff would let him in? Yeah, fuck those. Yeah? I think so. Did you uh, did you listen to... I can't remember whose podcast it was. Um, but they were talking about Team USA and just how like Pop is running it like a military operation. Like, yes, both him and Coach K have a military background, but like, you know... Pops like making it a regime, like you know, everyone's going to war, and you only talk to the media for thirty minutes, not a second over, and all this stuff. Um, I don't know. I feel like they would say no. I feel like they would say no. Nope, we've been practicing for two weeks. Stuff you. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're probably pretty confident in the team that they've got and their ability to like win gold anyway. So, so they should be. <laughs> yeah. Well, so they should be. Yeah. And maybe maybe they wouldn't, but it's like those guys would never. You know, they would never like want to come back in like I'm pretty sure LeBron's happy just chilling at home doing Taco Tuesday videos mm, did you see uh, some dude went up to Taco Fall and <laughs> <laughs> did you see it I didn't see it they were um, it was like a signature a signature day so you can bring up like your basketball cards or your this and that and someone printed a photo of a taco <laughs> and he signed it <laughs> it's Taco Tuesday yeah. pretty cringy videos but yeah. alright yeah. on to the next one <laughs> this one's just This weird. one's going to be divisive, I thought, until nah, it just said it's not that. divisive. All right, well, per the San Antonio Express News, the Spurs have, quote, not ruled out, unquote, signing DeMar DeRozan to a max deal if it, he opts out. 
<laughs> yeah. he's 27 million this off season. Yeah, the next the next important part of this is that his max would start at 38 million. Uh, That's without him making any All NBA teams. Yeah, 38 million. Well, I mean, he's probably not going to make an All NBA team no, this year. I don't know. You're higher than anyone than I am. Yeah, but not that high. Not 38 million high, and not on a contract that like escalates as he gets older, like <laughs> for a 30 year old. Yeah, I. It's it's. I'm just baffled. I don't think Demar's someone whose game is going to age particularly badly, so I wouldn't hesitate to give him a contract that's going to like run through to when he's 34. Like that's just like whatever the cost of doing business, mm-hmm. but not at 38 and escalating. I would be like maybe, like maybe maybe like four years, 120 flat. Like 30, 30, 30. It seems like such a Spurs move to re-sign him. They're like, look, we've got our dude. We've made our trade for the decade. Let's just like run with it. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think they're going to have a bit of a, an advantage in the negotiations just because his value is going to be slightly depressed because he's not making all-side teams whilst he's in the Western Conference. But then what, what, else, what else would the Spurs do? Like if they don't re-sign him, what direction are they going in? Well, it depends on the coach. That's true. I think if Pop's just like, look, I've had enough, then... They'll, you know, they'll probably just be like, all right, Lonnie Walker, Bryn Forbes, Derek White, Dejounte Murray. Murray, this is your team, go, and then figure something out and kind of do like, kind of just do like what the Raptors were a couple of years ago when they had a whole bunch of weird pieces, but they were like kind of good and then they like kept it together long enough to, you know, make a fit. Um... But if you know, if, if Pop decides he wants to stay and like, you know, says to RC and everyone there that they're gonna he's gonna like, you know, gut it out and stick with it, then I think they just try and wheel and deal and flip someone. Mm. The weird thing about San Antonio is that they they obviously get a lot of cred for having such a great front office and they have to be able to assemble like kind of like a few different like dynasties over mm. the last twenty mm-hmm. years. But they've never been like they're good in like a very serene and kind of way operating in like operating as like the calm in like a tempestuous environment whereas someone like Sam Presti or like Masai or like you know going back to the OG days like Sam Hinkie they were always like tinkering and like wheeling and dealing they've not really done that so I don't know how well they'll go if they decide like look we're just going to ship Demar maybe Aldridge for like the best thing that we can get and then try and they don't, have, they don't have, like, two random seconds, like, in 2024, yeah, just yeah. hanging out that they could yeah. just chuck into something. Just I feel like they are to try and compete and try and hang in there and extend that, you know, d- two-decade-long winning season streak, or they just have to kind of, like, throw it in the tank. Well, they could have just... Like, you look at both Paul George trades um, from Indiana and OKC, and then you look at, like, the Anthony Davis trade, and Kawhi is better than all those people, and they got DeMar DeRozan... Jakob Pertl and a first. Yeah. Like, they, like I know he was injured and his, yeah. his stock was really low. Hindsight's twenty twenty. But, like, they wanted... Um, did, what, uh, from Boston. Boston said they'd give up one of Brown or Tatum, yeah? And they wanted both. And they said, no, that was the deal breaker because they couldn't get both. Yeah. If my facts are correct. Yeah. Would you much rather Jakob Pertl and DeMar or one of Brown and Tatum? I mean... I yeah, I would rather have had one of Brown or Tatum. And if you're Boston, you might have a title one now. But like I know his stock was low, and then Philly were also a bit involved. But yeah, you know that would have involved a Markel Fultz uh, getting thrown in because yeah. he was still yeah. a bit high as well. All of those trades that you just mentioned before, like kind of look okay for both teams in retrospect. Like the like the Paul George OKC indie trade, like that looks pretty pretty good for both teams. Mm. You know, for what they got, they you know, for what OKC got, they got you know two years, two playoff appearances. Paul Paul George made 
you know, like yeah, you, got, you got the hope. Yeah, yeah, you got you got exactly what you thought you were getting, and Indy got Oladipo who blossomed and Sabonis. But this trade, the Leonard trade, just looks downright lopsided because yeah, I mean, at first it's going to end up being nothing. DeRozan is like again, I'm I, I quite like him as you know as a player. I think in an environment like San Antonio where he can kind of be like a like a first or second option alternating but he's also got kind of like weird like janky role players around him like people who can do different things it's not kind of like a it's not like a linear and like set lineup there's like a whole bunch of different players at every position who can do a lot of different things so you've got like someone like Derek White who can be a bit like explosive off the off the bounce and then you've got Bryn Forbes who's like a classic like small shooting guard and then you've got Dejounte Murray, who's like a lockdown defender, so he's got like even at the two guard slots, like a lot of different skill sets, which for someone like DeRozan, who's kind of like <laughs> taking up all them, but not very well. Jack yeah, trades master yeah, he's a bit he's a bit monochromatic, at least on offense. Ooh, that's a word, isn't it? Just? I love doing this pod, man. Every every pod, we just get like another word like that. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, you're I right. You're right, though. Like and like him and Lamarcus Aldridge, like that's not screaming win. You know no, mean? it's not. But like again, last year they were a playoff team and they pushed the Nuggets like quite hard in the playoffs. So there's a recipe there again to just like hold Pat. But I think it all starts with Pop, and whatever he decides will dictate how they go. I can't see a situation in which Pop leaves and they have a new coach and they're like, all right, let's go for it. Yeah. Let's go for the six seed. Yeah, like I um. I really hope that their next head coach is amazing. You know what I mean? Because all you've seen all their assistants go off to like Atlanta and Golden State, and then the coaching trees just gets further and further. And you've got like Lloyd Pierce and Mike Budenholzer and Steve Kerr, and like all these amazing assistants and like you know um, backup coaches that have just become amazing. Like <laughs> the Spurs, like better get like a good coach themselves, like rather than just seeing everyone walk away and have success. It would be. Pretty, pretty ironic. And that's what happened, though. Mm. They get left holding the bag whilst everyone else has a good Spursian coach. Yeah, yeah. The one guy on that list who's like, um, not doing so well is James Borrego. Yeah, I was thinking about him, but I didn't want to say him because it wouldn't help my argument. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's um, he's got. A, well, actually, he's Tim got Tim Duncan's an assistant coach now. Yeah. Yeah, old Timmy um, on old Timmy on the sideline. <coughs> I'm really excited to see what he wears to games. The yeah. massive suits. Yeah, legitimately. Nah, he's gonna be dripping in the fit. <laughs> it's gonna be good. Uh, onto the last little bit of news was Michael Beasley signing with Detroit on a minimum contract, uh, and then quite shortly after being suspended for five games for the anti-drug policy. Um, they now Detroit now have the top two picks in um, the 2008 draft in Derek Rose and Michael Beasley. So I don't know. There's something there. Um, <laughs> if you told Detroit they were getting the top two picks, they prob- this probably isn't how they envisioned it happening. <laughs> yeah. Good uh, news, guys. You got the first and the second overall pick on your roster. <laughs> Bad news. Well, they've got two. They got Blake Griffin. Yeah. True. Mm. Wow. Are we talking ourselves into Detroit as the one seat? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think that's the most Michael Beasley thing that's legitimately ever happened. Signs and then immediately gets suspended for violating the drug policy. Uh. Other than last year, him literally just like being playing in China and then being headhunted by the Lakers. They're like, you know who we need? 
Michael Beasley. Someone that does exactly what LeBron does, but a lot worse. Yeah, a lot and worse. And just to take up a position, especially when we've got Kyle Kuzma and Brandon Ingram, who yeah. we want to develop that position. Yes. Man, you, Let's get it. You would you would be hysterical if you could listen in on a conversation that I remember having with my friend Alessio in maybe like 2012 when Michael Beasley had just like been traded from Miami to Mini. And then he'd had like a breakout season in mini with Kevin Love. No, it was a legitimate breakout. He averaged like nineteen. He averaged like nineteen and eight, and he was like a genuinely dynamic scoring opportunity, scoring weapon. And I can't remember how he came to Phoenix in a trade, but he did. And then uh, this was the year when we uh, tried to sign Eric Gordon to a, a max offer sheet when he was restricted in New Orleans, and he really wanted to go. To he Phoenix. really wanted to go, <laughs> and I was like, man, look at this team: Michael Beasley, Eric Gordon, and then you know. Gordon didn't come. Beasley was Beasley, but man, the op- the optimism of a fifteen year old me and a young Michael Beasley is unparalleled. Mm, Sometimes uh, I look back and think, wow, I'm never gonna have that much hope and optimism. Again. Sure, surely you would have spotted the round face disease in Eric Gordon. Yeah, well, round face disease, and in, in, and then goes on to win six, you know, six man of the year with one of the roundest faces. Uh, yeah, but you know, for every for every Eric Gordon, there's always a Markel Fultz. Or yeah, <laughs> well, I'm interested to see what happens there. We'll see if he can if he can break out of the like the round face. Well, so, well he's gonna he's gonna have opportunities. He's in Orlando. He's backing up DJ Augustine, who at the moment DJ Augustine might be his ceiling. But like, he's gonna have minutes. Like Michael Carter Williams had a had quite a good season for Orlando quietly, um, once he finally got there. But like. <laughs> It sort of comes down to the season. Like this is, it's like a clickbaity Bleacher Report article. Like this is Mark Elfall's season, but like he sort of has to do something this year. Otherwise, his plays, you know, rookie option might get might get declined at the end of the year, which is pretty embarrassing for a number one overall pick. Yeah, it's definitely a make or break season for him. But the good news is that he couldn't have like a smaller market, and, <laughs> you know, like more out of the way kind of you know role, you know, spot to craft his role. Mm-hmm. And it's not like DJ Augustine is particularly good. Um, this is a team that like hasn't had a proper point guard in, you know, since like Jimmy and Nelson retired, which was, you know, mm. Jimmy and Nelson like left to go to the Nuggets like seven years ago, and they haven't had a good point guard since then. And that mm. was like old Jimmy and Nelson. So Dwight yeah. Howard, yeah, yeah. I don't no, think no. They, do, do you believe in Michael Fultz there? Do you believe that he's <laughs> I think anyone who says that they believe or don't believe is just operating in the dark because it's yeah. like, I've seen as much as everyone else has. Yeah. I've seen the good. He's the youngest player in NBA history to have a triple-double. But he also... Did you watch that game? Yeah, I did. He also... <laughs> like, it's just startling what happened to him. So it's like, you know, you, you haven't heard any... Now that he's out of Philly, you haven't heard anything about how his shoulder's going, how his mental state is. Like, you haven't, heard, you know, I don't follow any players on Instagram, so I don't know if he's been, like, working out or whatever, but you haven't heard, like, mainstream, what's going on? You're, oh, like, no, you're pointing no, you, at you, me. You finish your point, you finish your point. You haven't seen any of the whole, like, Marco Fultz, like, beast, like, look at this dude kind of thing. So you, no one knows what's going on. He's probably just, you know, balling in his backyard somewhere. Well, okay, you've mentioned workout vids and they got me really excited because you and I are a sucker for workout vids. Oh, yeah, pump those irons. Um, did you watch the the vid that came out probably in the last 24 hours of Jaleel Okafor? No. It was fucking amazing. Like, he looks slim. Like, you know, he's a vegan, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Like, he's slimmed down. He's really quick. 
and the whole workout video, like he's he's playing on people, not chairs, which is a good sign. Okay, that's a good sign. And he's just doing these like step throughs, pull up midi, step through, pull up midi, just dribble midi. Yeah. Three here, three there, midi, midi. Like Who's, is he playing against like trainers or is he's he playing, playing against yeah you and me like yeah. you and me in a black singlet. Yeah. But like it looks mad. It's just look probably take like a step back from yeah. that mid-range and then maybe you'll be mad but yeah well i feel like it's great that okafor is trying to advertise that he's a bit more lean and mobile but maybe it sends the wrong message to be like slim down lean mobile still shooting long twos <laughs> some things I, I actually believe in him i really liked his season um once anthony davis went down i was like that's cool like you know he's He's trying. Yeah, I don't know. I just love workout vids, man. And I'm really happy that like we saw a Julie Locke for one. Like that's the first one we see. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe comeback season for Julie Locke. Who, who's for. someone that you want to see like a really mad workout video for? Uh, In the same vein. like <laughs> Devin Booker. Oh, yeah. 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 Get in the gym, D-Book. What are you doing? What about D'Anthony Melton? Nah, I, I, didn't, I didn't need to see D'Anthony Melton work out. <laughs> I didn't know that he works out. <laughs> that dude yeah. is that dude is actually jacked. Yeah. Sometimes I really wish that I was like six foot three and playing in the NBA. Aren't you six foot three? No, six one and a half in shoes. I'm six two in shoes. Well, there we go. <laughs> Aren't we a pair of oh tall, dark, and handsomes? On that topic, let's wrap up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How many of the above things are true? My mum always did say that I had a face for radio. Yeah, yeah that's that's funny. <laughs> no, nah, it, it is funny. She it didn't say funny. that. She didn't say that. She actually loves me very dearly and always gives me positive self-reinforcement. And so. she likes all her posts, which I love. Yeah, she does. Good <laughs> on you, Mum. Well done. <laughs> anyway, this is spiralling out of control. <laughs> <laughs> You've spent the whole day st- stock-taking. I've spent the whole day pretending to do uni work. Um, That's almost as hard. It takes a lot of mental effort. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we'll talk to you next week and we'll have some proper listicles and proper content to go through as we fill up this August uh, golf. There you go. That's my word. Golf Ooh, of content. Beautiful. It's a very good four-letter word. Thanks, man. Very good. As always, guys, uh, remember that you can find us on Instagram and Facebook and our podcasts are available wherever you get your podcasts. Bye.